Welcome back to the Scorecast Nights podcast with Tim and Jacko. We have got for you uh, us being featured on someone else's podcast. Special guests. Well, yeah, yeah. Your special guests are us this week. Um, it is on the Future is Functional podcast with Sam from Totem Fitness, um, where he interviews us. So you're going to hear us banging on about our um, our story um, into calisthenics. But um, The highlight of this interview is that you'll find out what Dave's nickname was oh, yes. when he was playing rugby. We'll save it. I would suggest listening to Listening, this. but yeah. um, it creates a little bit of a of hilarity. Yeah. Definitely worth it just to find out what that is. And then you can address him with that name in future yes, correspondence that would, with the School of Calisthenics. Yeah, that would actually be a good way of us vetting how who's what listened to this podcast yeah, yeah. dedicated there if, we you, go. if you then want to get a question answered on the Q&A and address yes. it to go on, use, go on use that basically if your question's about calisthenics which not all of them are <laughs> you're on yeah go on then let's see who, let's see who listens to this yeah. and, has, and knows my nickname so sit back guys enjoy it is Tim and uh, yeah my, just my it, it's not ja- like, it's not Jacko for, for this that is my nickname but not not the secret one <laughs> This is the Future is Functional podcast. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Future is Functional podcast. I'm your host, Sam Waite. And this week on the podcast, we've got the School of Calisthenics. I'm just going to let us kick straight in with the interview now, and I'll be back to talk a little later. How did your training journey first start? Um, in terms of calisthenics, or just like training, like just like... Just in, just in general. In general, I play like me. I think as like Tim played sport as a kid. Like I play, I played rugby, football, tennis. Um, I was, ended up being crap at football, so I had to play rugby. I'd have made a lot more money if I'd have I played professional uh, football rather than professional rugby. But um, yeah, I played pro rugby for like thirteen years, and then retired through a head injury uh, about four and a half years ago. Um, so four years ago, started doing calisthenics with this crazy guy. Just literally, just for a bit of fun. Well, for my sake, Dave and, and Tim, I'll let Tim explain why he wanted to start calisthenics. Uh, yeah, so I, I started, I was half decent at PE. At, <laughs> at like six. So I just got into rugby when I was, I think I started playing when I was about nine, ten years old. Um, and then played, just played anything and everything that I could, but was predominantly focused on rugby. And then over the course of... Well, from when I was about 20 years old onwards, I just started dislocating shoulders. Um, I've had two reconstruction surgeries over the years and then got the last dislocation I had. I was like, I can't do this anymore because I was working as an S&C coach at that time. I was like, if, I, if I'm stuck uh, with an injury that or a shoulder that I can't use in the gym, it's just a nightmare. So I kind of I canned it off and then got into calisthenics because the, the reason around it was um, if, I felt, if, I could, if I could do a handstand, then I would have confidence that my shoulder was stable. Um, so I'd done all the physio exercises in the book, um, done a ton of like TheraBand stuff and none of it worked, kept on dislocating. Um, I even dislocated my shoulder on my UK Strength and Condition Association Olympic lifting workshop, which was a fairly low point in my career. Um, but yeah, and then, and then just got bitten by the book for calisthenics. It was just uh, the rate of progression was so fast and then like it was helped because Dave and I just like literally were messing about in the gym <laughs> for, for about a year. Um, and yeah, it's gone from there, really. So how did you two meet? Uh, through a mutual friend at the church we go to. So um, Josh, Josh, the guy that introduced us, was um, used to play rugby with Jacko. Um, and then he kind of hooked us up. And I uh, I was working as a strength and conditioning coach. Jacko was thinking about what was going to happen towards well, when he stopped playing rugby, which actually at that point was about two years in the plan. Yeah, I just had a new two-year contract. Yeah. And then um, had a, had my sort of 
a head injury in, in pre-season and that accelerated the process of, um, right, well, you now need to get a real job or you need to get in the real world. Um, That's what you've got was, now. Yeah, I'm a qualified teacher. I got a degree in engineering and I went, you know what, I don't want to do any of them. I want to do something a bit different. I'd always been interested in the S&C side of, of our training and found out that Tim got into S&C um, not through necessarily the conventional route of having done, he did a business degree, not a sports science degree. And I was like, ah, okay, so there's a way in even if you haven't done a sports science degree. And he was like, yeah, so I actually went through the training you'd have done, what, six years, seven years yeah, before yeah, that, whatever yeah. it was. Um, yeah, and then, and, then we, and then we started working together. So, yeah, you, so you're uh, at, like, a ridiculous level now. What When you first started, what, what were you doing to get started? Oh, mate, we were rubbish. Like, I, I still consider myself to be, like, not very good now. Like, <laughs> in the great scheme of things, I'm an absolute less rubbish than... Yeah. Because we came to it with no experience of, like, gymnastics or anything, like... We think of what you need in, in calisthenics, you need to be strong, yes, but you need to have really good range of motion, you need to be mobile and flexible. Think about, and particularly in your shoulders, think about in rugby, what do you need? Yes, you need to be strong, but you need your shoulders to be tight and compacting because you take in impact. Um, dislocated the shoulder many, many times through rugby. I broke my shoulder blade in two places and, and I've got a separated AC joint um, from rugby injuries. And we started calisthenics like that, which means you start at, if there's like the base level, we were like way down there. <laughs> the only benefit that we had was like, we, we've got, um, both Jack and I have got a decent training history, no way around the gym. And I'd done like six, seven years as a strength and conditioning coach with, so I've got a back in an understanding of human movement and exercise science. So that's one thing that I still love about it now is that I'm just breaking down problems. So if I want to do a planche or a single arm pull up or whatever it is, it's a movement problem, and I just use the sort of, just break it down and go, what are the points that we're actually trying to, to do? What do we need to achieve? How do we link it together? So it just, that side of stuff has actually been a real strength in, in where we think we can have an impact in calisthenics in the fitness space is because we've come from nothing. Like we, don't, we haven't been doing gymnastics since we were five years old. So we hope that actually, I hope, inspires other people to think that they can actually start um and again a lot of people will start from a better place from than we did because they, they won't come at it with the with the like the previous the injuries busted shoulders that we have um and, and because we've had to break it down and think about it and build it all back up from absolute basics that's actually the strength in our approach um, is that we understand all the component parts so if someone says how do i do that and it's cool yeah we, we've been there made all the mistakes and actually now like we tried to when we learned to human flag it probably took us about three six months yes yeah and that wasn't even a good flag it was like just you felt like you could do it it used to be we used to have the rule it was like long enough for a photo without the fast shutter on that was like the rule <laughs> then you could do it that was then, it. then you're allowed to say that you could do it that was graduation but we've, we've, we've taught people, like, this was probably two years ago now, like, maybe more, like, we had people do, like, a seven-week training block with us. Like, they, we saw them twice within that period, and they came back and they did a human flag in seven weeks. We've got the videos on YouTube, actually, of their first attempt, and then seven weeks later, and it's genuine. Yeah. And they're not, like, they're not crazy human specimens. They're just average gym goers. Um, so, yeah, it's, sometimes we pinch ourselves and go, you know, this thing that we developed and we put a bit of thought into, it actually works. <laughs> like, like, the first time... I did a frog, tried to do a frog stand, you know, you balance with your elbows um, on your knees and you just put on your hands, like how we start our hand balancing. The first time I tried that, and this is no lie, I smashed my nose onto the floor. And literally people in the gym used to laugh at you. And that's what they did, they laughed, <laughs> just like you did. They laughed at us and they said, what are you blokes doing? Just, just like messing about. And we were like, 
Well, at, this, at that point, we were literally just messing about. We weren't trying. We never thought it would, you know, the squad calisthenics was not even a pipe dream. Yeah. We were just enjoying a bit of different training for ourselves, bored of lifting weights, basically. So when did school calisthenics turn into a, a business? Because you sell e-books, retreats, workshops, clothing, everything now, don't you? When did it just make that? <laughs> yeah. When did it so, make that switch to a, a business so, from a hobby? So the um, we got to when we were messing about and looking rubbish because we were rubbish. No one was interested. Then in our gym, we started to be able to like do a flag and we could do a hands and we can do bits and pieces. And people were like there's probably the same people that were laughing at us when mm. well can you teach someone to do that? Like that looks pretty fun. Like you're having fun. You look strong and that's pretty cool. And we were like, well. We're self-employed coaches, like, we'll, we'll, we'll put an event on, we'll put a workshop on, so um, we've we put on the workshop, the title, Tim, this is Tim's, uh, it, it, the first workshop we did wasn't scorecast, then it? it was. We, we called it Strength Training for Survivor in the Urban Jungle, because <laughs> I, I quite like this idea that people get strong in a gym, but actually, could they save their own life if they needed to? So, the whole, we had, we had two different strands here. One theme was preservation and one was evasion. So preservation, for example, was a muscle up. Um, so if you needed, if you fell off the balcony with your mates while you're on holiday in Magaluf, could you do a muscle up to get yourself back into the balcony? It was, it was a bit tongue in cheek, but at the same time, there's so many people that would actually die in that situation. That's the most random was, thing I've ever heard. If you were <laughs> fell off a balcony in Mal, in Mal, a viral video one day when we get it done. Yeah, it was a great piece of content just being like waiting to be filmed. But it's that idea. We did another one. Like preservation was like if you're out shopping with your missus, it's taking too long. Like you need to go to do a handstand so you can let your legs recover a little bit. It was, <laughs> it, was <laughs> it was just a laugh. Yeah, he's, he's been there. He's yeah. that, that was a real. I wish um, I could do a handstand for that reason. Yeah, outside the change rooms in, in, in Lacenza or something. In Lacenza, you get caught by the police, wouldn't you? <laughs> Three guys you see them on YouTube learned the uh, human flag in seven weeks, um, and then after that, we were like, you know, it was almost like we looked at each other and we were like, we still do it now. When someone at a workshop does something for the first time, we go, "Hey, this works." Yeah, and like we know it works because we've done it on ourselves, but like. Sometimes it's surprising how, because when we learned it, it took a long time, because we basically, our learning process is like, mess about, do everything that's wrong, trying to figure out what's right, and then figure out what's right, then streamline it. So for us, it takes ages. For other people, it takes like anything from five minutes to learn a ring muscle up, because they just weren't false gripping, to mm -hmm. weeks and months to learn something else, but they'll still, they'll get there at some point, because everything is very, is broken down to literally anyone can start because that's how bad we were it needs to be broken down that much and then it's built back up piece by piece working on certain bits individually bring certain bits together um and then you know people are learning things so much faster than us which is as i've gone on serious all of a sudden, but it's amazing like, cool. i flipping love it so, um, it's so, so it's amazing it's wicked when you do it yourself but when you teach someone else it and then i even find it like when when you've taught someone else through all they've done is bought bought one of your guides, your ebooks, watched the videos, never met you, but just listened to the coaching cues in the videos and followed your demonstrations, and then they learn it from there. I'm like, and they live at the other side of the world. I'm like, it's fucking crazy, but it's cool. Yeah. It's so cool. would I be right in saying that you don't learn off anyone? You just see a move and try and try and do it and get get your own way there. Yeah, pretty. We start well. We started it because it was the case of. 
I wanted to learn a human, like when we started playing about stuff, human flag, like that, I've always thought, before I knew about calisthenics, I'd seen a human flag, and you're like, is it photoshopped? I don't think it's photoshopped. I think it's cool. I'd flipping love to do that. And when, do what everyone does, you go on YouTube, obviously, to find something out, and you go, how, to, how do you human flag? And then the tutorial was a bloke gave his phone to, to his missus, and, and she's videoing him, and he goes, this is how you do a human flag. And just does it, and you're like, mm, "That's you showing me you can do one. That's not a tutorial they're teaching me." <laughs> so we were, we were we wanted to learn, and we just didn't find anyone else that was actually breaking it down for somebody who literally hasn't got a clue and starting it from yeah. there. And Tim said, "If we're going to do this, I want to change the game, and we're going to bring our SNC coaching experience into this." Yeah, I'm actually pretty reluctant to go and look at other people's stuff because I don't want them to to. to influenced me into making a decision to just kind of replicate it because there's a lot of that stuff in, in calisthenics there's a lot of people kind of saying the same stuff and it's lifted from other people's ideas and and it's not that some of it is effective some of it we were probably questionable but it's also like trying to find out what's the fastest route to the end goal like what how do we streamline this process so people know exactly what they need to do and not realistic for someone in the real world yeah. like we're not gymnasts so if all we do is gymnasts uh, drills and gymnastics drills obviously they work because gymnasts do amazing things like far beyond what we'll ever do but it's not gym we're not trying to do gymnastics yeah. and no one no one takes into account that actually and this is this comes from the the, the, the career at snc working with athletes is that no one takes into consideration that actually none of us arrive at our training session in imperfect condition we'll have sat down a lot during the day we've got probably got some shoulder dysfunctions or movement compensations all this stuff going on and then you want to go and do a back lever or a human flag you haven't set yourself up to actually have success in that session because your system's all jumped up mm -hmm. um and you need to be able to uh, to do some movement preparation work that's what we we kind of term it as to get yourself ready to go into into calisthenics. So it, it's it's very much like a complete approach to movement. You could actually apply the same principle to to any kind of like trailing movement, whether it's Olympic lifting or squatting or, or whatever. You're just going through a process of, of optimizing your um, chances of success and then breaking down the skill or the strength components to, to build or to layer it all in together. So it's, uh, the difference with calisthenics is it's such an integrated movement. You've got to start to learn how to connect everything together. You can't just get strong biceps and expect you're going to be able to do a human flag or, or a back lever. You've got to it's understanding that it becomes a, a kinetic chain movement. But that's what's, yeah, it's, that's, it's pretty cool. Is it harder to coach someone who's, who's had a go at doing the movements and practice for a few weeks, but just been practicing the movements? And it's close to getting it, but you have to take it back the full to the start, really. Or it doesn't really matter too much. Yeah. Sometimes if they come with some knowledge and they try some stuff, like on a workshop, we get some quite quick wins. So, like a ring muscle up, for example, is is quite a good example in that we will get people. Don't know. I've been trying to ring muscle up for months, and we're like, okay, show me. And they don't. Like, they, they've got the strength to be able to do it, but they don't hold the ring in the right position. They. they the neutral grip rather than getting into a false grip. And we show them a false grip and they'll literally just fly straight to the rings and be like, have you done that? Like, I've been trying to do that for months. Like, well, it's just, you just need to know what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we were the same. I remember, like, we'd been coming in the gym. We'd been doing the same thing. Tim was like, he'd figured out the false grip. It just does when I was like, how have you done that? Like, the redefining, like, it was still impossible to me. And, like, that whole redefining impossible that is our sort of strap line is is yeah when you get when you get into it and you feel it like you know then what that what that means you know that actually impossible isn't impossible mm. okay so what's the hardest exercise you can do uh, i 
think it, some of it is like, I, well, the one that I'm currently working on, which I'm finding hard, is to perfect my planche, um, which is which is pretty full on. There's um, a video um, today on stories of Tim doing a straddle planche, so his legs are apart, but, but, but doing push-ups like that. Um, that's pretty flipping cool. I, I can't do that and would like to be able to do that. <laughs> but it's... Um, it, it's kind of, it's all hard. Like if you've gone back, at, like, like the planche is an interesting one because I'd be like, when we first tried it, I said to Jack, I've got absolutely no idea how you even start with that. I've, I've tried it and I was like, I've got no strength in there whatsoever. But you start breaking down the training process, you put a bit of work in, all of a sudden one day you get this glimmer and you go, you know what? I might be able to do that. And then it just kind of builds and progresses and all of a sudden I'm doing planche push-ups, which I would never have thought I would do <laughs> two years ago. Um, the one that I can't, I still need to never nail my front lever. It's been a work in progress for a long time, and that's why I say like, I still consider myself to be a fairly, fairly novice in calisthenics because there's people around the world doing front lever pull-ups and rows and stuff, and they're way, way better than us. Um, but that's what we've always kind of pitched ourselves on. Like we're not going to be the best calisthenics athletes in the world because of our partly our background and and where how old we were when we started, all that sort of stuff. But we, we back ourselves to try and be the best calisthenics coaches in the world. We think we can probably do a, a pretty good job of that. What's your hardest move that you can do? Um, your, front lever pull, your, your flag pull-ups are pretty... Uh, yes, I can just about do um, a human flag pull-up. So my human flag was like the thing I loved. Um, at one point, I was trying to break the world record. The world record's one minute and five seconds. And I did 32 seconds, so I nearly got halfway there, but um, that sort of fell by the wayside a bit. <laughs> and started working on, so a pull-up, but you're horizontal, so you're in your human flag. And, um, yeah, that sounds hard. Yeah, yeah, whether that is, even when I could do a flag, so I could do a flag and hold a flag for like a good 10 seconds. I've seen someone doing a, a, a human flag pull-up, and you're like, it blew my mind, because I knew the mechanics. I knew that you're pushing with the bottom arm and pulling with the top. And that when you bend, it's like, you're watching, you're like, you must be losing tension yeah. through one of those things. You're like, how is that happening? How how is that working? But again, you figure it out and then you play around a bit and then all of a sudden it becomes less impossible. A lot of coordination as well, I'm guessing. Yeah, there's yeah, there's something like the, what we call like the movement patterning. When you've never pushed and pulled with opposite arms overhead and, and those arms being straight and locked down, um, you just you might be strong enough to do it, but you've got to teach the brain to be able to do that new movement pattern. I mean those things happen quicker than it does you're not strong enough to do it yet mm. it takes time to build strength so what's the hardest move you can't do which you want to be able to do i'm working on a single arm pull up yeah um i would like to be able to do that um i'm probably gonna say the same i think i haven't actually started putting much time into it but the thing about the, the single arm pull up is it's quite different the planche is very much like a connection base you've got to you got to be strong enough to be able to hold the shape but so much of it is about transferring force to hold an isometric position. The flag's similar to a point. The single arm pull-up is just brute strength. Like you, You've got to be able to synchronize a little bit of shoulder stability because you've got to get out of an active hang um, or into an active hang. And at that point, like it's just it's just strength, isn't it? Like there's not a lot of other stuff going on. you just got to be yeah. strong. The, the, the simple and the harsh reality that is we're just not strong enough to do it yet. Yeah. There's something actually I'm working on that I'm halfway there is you go hands uh, you need to be on you need a bit of space underneath you so rather than the floor um you're going to be on like parallettes or even full parallel bars where you go handstand so you go from like they call them 90 degree push-ups so you go from full handstand where you're vertical you come down and forward and then come to like a bent arm planche and then from there and i've got the control down i can hold that position is then i come up i can like rotate to here 
but it's such a deep hand handstand push up to get back up. I ain't got the strength to get about a deep position yet, but that's that's something I've been working on for quite a while. It's nice to be able to do the the eccentric part of it. It's going to take a bit of time to get through that isometric and then concentric part, but I know I'm going to be able to get there because I've had that glimmer of hope. I know what I need to do now. So, how's your training week set up? Like, what would the normal training week for you look like? Yeah, it depends massively. Um, yeah. we, because of where we're at with the with the business development side of stuff, um, I've got a little boy at home. He's, he's just turned one. Um, Jacko's got a lot of other stuff that we're doing as well. So we actually we like we because we're sort of self employed and we, we've got a startup. Um, we don't we don't have the, the luxury of sort of a particularly structured week. So. I know a lot of people. A lot of people think if they work a sort of a fairly kind of consistent nine to five or whatever, they can sort of get real structured in the week. But ours is almost like I would say that I'm an opportunistic trainer. So whenever I've got a chance, I just try and get in the gym. Um, my target, because it's sometimes just unrealistic to do more, is three sessions a week. Um, and if I get anything on top of that, then it's a bonus. And that's normally a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, I could do more. I could. I enjoy training enough to train every day, but I just have to prioritize other things so i don't actually think that's a lot and we would be be, if we could dedicate more time to it we would improve faster but that would come at the cost of other stuff for your time for your style training do you have to go to a gym no you do i do like yeah i probably do two sessions a week at home um the best thing for us is summer yeah summer 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 changes the game we're outdoors don't go in the gym in the summer we've got a freestanding rig now that i think you said you could see if the bulldog uh, made for us so we can actually literally put that in a car and take it wherever we want and train it like i like that idea but actually i don't i'm not confined to a gym um but we do we still use the gym a lot because it's just that's actually quite a nice social place to just go and spend time but and we do some um, work there so you're there anyway yeah but we're, we're not we're not confined to it it's cool that bulldog rig isn't it yeah, mate, yeah. It's sexy isn't it well the school of <laughs> calisthenics rig that's what it's called yeah. we designed it together it's a partnership <laughs> Yeah, it's, I think it's the, it's the best piece of kit that I've seen like, from a freestanding perspective for calisthenics. Like you can muster up on it; and it doesn't move. Um, there's not many people, not, not many of the alternatives that, that, that can do that. And it's a really nicely well-built, high-quality piece of kit. Well, I remember we, when we when he first showed it to us, and we went in, and, and he was like, "Here it is," and he was like, "Flipping heck!" And the first thing Tim did was go up on so on one side and do a human flag. And I was thinking, like, not not through a fault of manufacturing. I was just thinking, like. Mate, what are you doing? Like it's going to topple over, <laughs> like because you got all your weight on just one side of it, like in a human yeah, flag. It's the way it's set like, up as well. It's don't move, don't move at all. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, like we, it was already amazing. And I was like, whoa. We we filmed yesterday and we put it up in eleven minutes. It's not bad. Yeah, I was just yeah. about to ask how long it take to put up. Yeah, eleven minutes. Two, two adjustable spanners and, a, a, and Tim's not very good with the spanners. No, Robert. Really Dave's got a degree in engineering, so he's he's, he's good at spannering. So you're the one who makes the Makes the rig up. Yeah, it's first class to do. Do we know? It never goes on about it. It's a master's. Oh, I mean, <laughs> let's move on. So, what would what advice would you give to someone who wanted to start a YouTube channel and to get yeah, it to grow? <laughs> YouTube's a YouTube's an interesting one. Like, it, it, we we put quite a lot of time and effort into our social media channels in terms of Instagram, Facebook, um, early doors, and we've only really been pushing YouTube. How long? Six months? Yeah. Six, nine months? Um, and I think it's for us, it's been a massive, if we're being like honest, like it's been a massive uh, yeah. massive learning curve and it's been a lot of trial, 
quite a lot of error. Um, and just the, the, the one thing that we've found is that we can coach. If you put me in a room full of 20 people, like I've got no issues with, with coaching. But when you do it on camera, there's, there becomes a dynamic which you need to get used to, which is slightly different. Um, and we, we, we did some filming yesterday. And we're actually now starting to go, do you know what? We can whack out like really like good, what we think is good quality content um, quite efficiently. We, we're just starting to get used to it. And I think so. That's the one thing for me. Like, just you've got to get time on task. Um, and if you wait into the perfect video, it probably doesn't. Yeah. You're going to wait a long time. We look back at our early videos now. We're like, oh, my word. <laughs> like, but... Um, yeah, and, and the other thing is just content generation. Like, yeah. literally, the more you've, you've got to make good content. Like, if you haven't, if you're not making good content, then then it all falls apart. But then the, the, the other side of it, in terms of like the actual YouTube stuff, is there's no secrets. There's no no one's hiding anything. YouTube want lots of people to watch YouTube videos, so they will tell you. There's a user guide and manual of these are the things that you need to do. So, like, it's it's there's a there's a science to it. There's an algorithm. There's um, your title is important, your thumbnail is important, um, the tags that you use on it are important, having a bit of structure to it so your audience knows that every Tuesday and Thursday they're going to get a video from us. So mm. um, none of that's all out, no one's hiding that. Like YouTube are going to want to tell people this is how you make a good channel, but if your content stinks, um, then it's no one's going to watch it. Like, so how many how long your video is watched for is really important as well as the number of views like um so if it's good content people will watch it for a long time youtube will go oh this video is good people are watching it we want people to watch our videos because they make more money through advertising so they will recommend it as a video on other other videos and then on home pages so they just want youtube is trying to find the best videos and then it will mm. keep people on youtube it's not um yeah there's no there isn't any there isn't any tricks or nothing hidden, um, but it just takes a lot. Of, anyone that you see on YouTube with a lot of followers, a lot of subscribers, and doing really well, like they're working their ass off. Like yeah, yeah. it's it's not. You know, we've got thirty five thousand. That's like nothing, um, and it's you just got to keep keep producing good content and just keep working on. Cool. So, what are the goals with the business over the next um, next year then? World domination. Yeah, we. Calisthenics, uh, we, world domination. <laughs> We don't have to dream big. Uh, a lot of the stuff for us is about, like, we, I don't want to sound cliche or anything, but it, it comes back to why we started the business in the first place, which was helping people to redefine their impossible. That chat line came from something that I stuck on my Twitter um, bio right at the start. When we started casting, it's like everything that I was doing was, was, was felt impossible. Um, and it, we just we adopted it and, and it's evolved a little bit, but it's become a real central part of our philosophy in the business. And we want other people to have the enjoyment. Like calisthenics brings you, bring, can bring you a lot of happiness because it, it, it just sets up in it, um, the opportunity to try new things, to learn new skills, um, to exercise. There's, there's a load of stuff which is just wrapped up in it. Um, so we want to we want to spread that message to as many people as we can. We, we read, we've got a website redevelopment on the way with a members section coming, which is again going to change the game. That's generally what we try and do. Um, we're doing course. some work in, on trainers courses for PTs and, and anybody else in the health and fitness industry that wants to start using calisthenics with clients. We're speaking at the UK Strength and Conditioning Association conference this year. And that's going to take um, a bit more of an exercise science approach to how athletes and trainers can start to implement. Um, implement uh, calisthenics into their into their workouts. So it's it's so much around. Just, just we're just going to try and get messages out there, and we've got a, a fairly big business development. The handstand world record. Yeah, so we're going to get about doing a handstand. I can't world record. Handstand world record. I've seen that. When's that? 
Yeah, so international handstand day, which isn't something we made up. It sounds like it. That's something someone else made up. Like handstands. <laughs> um, that's twenty third of June this year. Um, so we need the current record is three hundred ninety eight. So we need three hundred ninety nine or four hundred people to do a handstand with us. We'd like a thousand. Yeah, or more. <laughs> we'd like to smash the record. But the main thing is about like people just coming and having having some fun and and and, and that sort of the community side of of calisthenics. Yeah. Um, Interesting, you mentioned the retreat. We actually went out to our email database today about um, the plans for uh, a retreat in the UK later this year, and then also a warm weather uh, weekend workshop that's going to be somewhere fancy uh, that we're excited about. So, some, uh, some details if people are on our email, they need to have a look at that today. To go to that retreat, what level do you have to be at? Any, any. You just have to want to have a really luxurious, nice time. <laughs> it's actually the only place where Jack and I would yeah. do individualised one-to-one screenings and write bespoke programmes with people. So if they wanted to come, and we like we did one in Morzine, and a lot of the guys were really sort of like early doors in their calisthenics journey. Um, so we've had yeah anything from if someone wants to come and learn a front lever, we can do that. If they want to literally get started, then we'll do that as well. Because yeah. it's because it's because it's so it's it's a retreat. There's only like eight to ten people there. Um, we do it. We give it. It's the whole thing of it is basically that personal and, and individualised approach. So literally, whatever someone wants to do, they're going to get one-on-one time. Whereas a workshop, there might be like twelve or fifteen people. There. There's always two coaches, mm. but and we're spending time with every single person. But we're not going to. We don't spend an hour individually with you. Whereas on the retreat, we do. Okay, cool. So how would how would you say calisthenics has affected your physiques? Good question. Take your shirt off, Tim. Show me. One of the things when I first started, this is something we've got plans to talk about of male perceptions and from a fitness industry, male dysmorphia, that sort of stuff. But when I first started training, I uh, when I first started calisthenics, I, I was doing a lot of like standard dumbbell barbell work, and I was like, I was worried that if I stopped doing that, then it would affect my physique. And I thought, do you know what? I know enough about strength and conditioning, enough about training, that if I lose a bit of weight, I know how to get it back. And I want to give this calisthenics a decent run. So I was committed to three months. And I think I'm stronger than I ever was. I'm more robust now than I ever was. So like, I haven't dislocated a shoulder since I started calisthenics. I feel way better. Everything just works better. Mm-hmm. So we, we there has been some changes, but not negative ones. I would look at any gymnast or anybody who trains calisthenics, and no one looks at them and goes, you know what, you're not in good nick, because part of it is strength-to-weight ratio. So you, your diet naturally kind of takes care of itself, because the heavier you are, yeah. the harder it's going to be. Um, but we, we tend to try now, it's, it's a constant battle. We talk about it a lot, but we're trying to focus more on what can your body do what, rather than what your body looks like. Um, and if you train hard and you eat well, and you, I mean, resistance is resistance. So whether you're doing calisthenics or, or dumbbells, it makes no difference. Like your body knows it as stress and you can adapt to either of them to get um, the sort of physical adaptation that you want. But it's, yeah, we, we, we're probably less focused on physique now, even though we take our shirts off a lot. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> hot. But uh, yeah, I literally, I don't, I, I, as, as much as I can now say, I, I don't care what my body looks like, but as much as I don't care what my body looks like, I like looking ripped from calisthenics. Like I like it, but I don't care about it because what I'm interested in doing is is figuring out how to do those things that I told you that are currently impossible for me, and I want to be able to do them. And off the back of that, like you know, um, someone once called me pancake tits because I've always had uh, a small chest. And my, whatever bench press I did or not, I was, oh, that was always me. Whereas like me trying to focus on doing more chest sessions to make. Because <laughs> he's dying. Because he's seen them. He's seen them. He's, he's, he's thought it. How dare you? 
But me trying to work on chest sessions to make my chest look bigger because I've got a, now an issue in my head about my chest, I'm actually much prefer <laughs> to do a planche because I know that that, like, I don't know, it's for me what I can do with a body. Like, it's so much healthier for me mentally rather than going looking look in the mirror and going, oh, what's my body fat thing? You throw it in some mix, you go, well, a planche is going to require a huge amount of chest and shoulder strength. Anyone can do planche has got flipping horrendous amount of, like, well, not horrendous, and positive, but a massive <laughs> amount of shoulder and chest strength. Um, the thing about it is that we've, we've kind of had journeys being from playing around with all different types of training, including hypertrophy. He's like, what is big? Like, you're trying to get bigger. When does that end? Like, I'm a bigger one. Well, always a bigger I look at Cali Muscle <laughs> um, and people like that. I go, and then to Kai Green and go, I want to get bigger. And I'm like, you're kidding. Like, at what point is big enough? And even that just shows that it's a, it's, a, it's a never-ending road of getting bigger. Because as soon as you get bigger, you're still like, oh, I still look small. Because it's that guy's bigger than it's me. It's like the bro science guy. You've seen the guy at bro science on YouTube. Like, I love his videos. Yeah. He's funny. You need to watch him. Check out bro science. But he says, he takes the make and he says that, like, the day you start lifting weights is the day you'll never be big enough. Yeah. And he's saying it jokingly, but actually there is an element of that. And having been through doing a lot of weight training when I, for, for, for rugby, um, having gone out of that, and actually even as, as part of rugby, like being concerned about how small I was because I was sort of small and fast rather than big, and there's a lot of big dudes, and some of the concern was like, I don't want to be that small because it's going to, when that guy whacks me, it's going to hurt and I'm going to get injured. What, what, what were you I got the injured. biggest weight? Because you pack some weight on it. Well, I've been, you get to 100 kilos. I have been, I have been 100 <laughs> kilos before, yeah. Uh, I played a lot of rugby, about 92, 93 kilos, and, and you're finished off at 86. Um, 84? Now... 82, maybe. Can you imagine yeah. this guy at 100 kilos? <laughs> two, stone, two stone heavier. Or more than two stone heavier, yeah. I could eat. Good times. Um, but it's free it, to get away from that, like literally being going, I'm not bothered what I look like. It's free, like I want to work on what my body can do. And yeah, like the side effect of is almost like that you'll look good as long as you eat well. Um, it's freeing mentally, mm. like getting away from that, like just being like, yeah, whatever. That's what we want to try and promote on this podcast of, the aesthetics being a byproduct, and that's yes. exactly what you've just you've just said. It's, it's that performance. Because, you're totally right. You're totally right. It's mentally positive for for me and lots of other people out there. Like I'm, me, we are not the only two that that's going to be positive. For. The other thing is, like, I'll I'll back myself. Any day of the year, I'll take my shirt off and I'll be fairly confident with how I look. And I'm, not, I'm not bulking <laughs> or cutting. But if I'm going to go on holiday next week, like I'll take my shirt off and I'll be like, I'm quite happy with where I'm at because I'm not going through this ridiculous roller coaster yeah. of trying to bulk and then cut, ending up where I started in the first place. Like, <laughs> just like, yeah. Yeah, it's literally just chain for performance. Yeah. Enjoy it, and you get to where you want to be, don't you? Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because you're doing you're, you're training. Ultimately, the reason you're training, uh, the reason you might write a book, the reason you might do a painting, the reason you might go out to the pub and get drunk, is because you're trying to do some things that make you happy and try and finding things to make you happy. Um, we spend most of our life doing that. So like, yeah. enjoy it. Like, if training's about it is like, don't lie to me and tell me it's not about trying to make you happy. So like, make sure you're doing something that you enjoy. Doing it is enjoyable. Doing a human flag at the beach is something I enjoy, and that is enjoyable. <laughs> and, and and the people watching, the people love it. Yeah, I remember doing a flag. We were no. like, I come on holiday somewhere. It's Catherine. Get up there. Like, when you see a nice background, you give your phone to your wife and you go, take a picture of this. But there was um, like a Japanese or Chinese sort of. Um, 
tourist thing. <laughs> Literally just pulled up and they've all got their cameras and then I do this flag and they all go bonkers. Just making people happy. <laughs> Little crowd around you doing a flag at the beach. Good times. Good times. <laughs> uh, so I'm a little bit scared for the next question. What is your favourite workout for the listeners to try? Well, I, we've got a, we recently did. It goes back to the YouTube thing. We something we tried on YouTube that we thought would get, would be quite helpful and useful for people was a lot of our stuff is like tutorial based. Like this is a build up to do this thing. Whereas quite a lot of people are like don't know how to put that into a workout. So we actually put together um, recently. Um, like a sort of start calisthenics workout, what you can actually do, plenty of stuff at home, um, and you can actually just follow, literally we do the workout with you, we explain what we're doing, we do the coach, but then we actually do it, and you can actually just follow that along. Um, so that is definitely something that I would, um, if someone wants to get started. I'm probably going to throw a curveball back on this, because it would be easy for us to go, first off, you've got to do a thousand pull-ups, and then you've got to do a million dips. But actually, what our favourite sessions are, is the ones I enjoy the most is when... We're just having a laugh. Like we literally started, and people are like you're messing about. And when we go in the gym without an agenda, I'm like, should we play around with some hand balancing? And we just piss about. And we all start from the point of day when we're in the gym. Dave, Tim, can you do a handstand on that on that tractor tire? Well, I don't know. I try. <laughs> and like we, we we wrote a book. Like we got an ebook called Strength and Play. And I, I like I love that idea that I've got a strength that I can have fun with. So it doesn't have to be like a. The 10 by 10 or like yeah. gym and volume training because I think it's like it's just literally the more fun we can have actually serious training gets in the way of that like yeah. when I've got to put my head get my head down do a bit of work on something focused yeah. we actually just went in the gym and have fun that'd be my favourite way to train I did a great session today um, and it was on, off the back of we, we were with Ross Edgley yesterday who if you seen the sort of stuff that he does in his training and the size of the guy. He's much bigger than me. <laughs> He's good, yeah. day with him and like, right, I'm going to smash this training session uh, tomorrow, which is this morning. And if you ask me how many reps and sets I did of whatever I did, I can tell you, like, I was enjoying what I was doing home for, but just like made myself work really hard. And actually the numbers, they ultimately like, they don't necessarily, they don't matter that much. Like, you might do the best, like, three sets of 10 ever, but... Nothing, what, magic, nothing magic happens yeah. after three sets of 10. Like... You, you guys go to CrossFit, right? So you know that all too well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've done I've done bodybuilding, CrossFit, yeah. and it's exactly the same. It's uh, for now we just love training for performance, and that's it. Go in, mm-hmm. enjoy it. If I fancy doing a certain thing one night, I'll do it, and there's no worry, there's no stress, yeah. there's no. It's, yeah, exactly. It's releasing, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It just it just made me so much happier. And I've, mm. I've gained. Chest looks smaller though. Uh, hey, pancake. <laughs> pancake chest. So I've got my hoodie on. <laughs> right, that is perfect. I know you've got to uh, get off, so I will let you uh, leave it there. That's amazing, guys. Thank you. I ask you one question. Yeah. So we talk about people trying to redefine their impossible. We've got our own things that are kind of temporarily parked in the impossible box in our brains. What's the, uh, what's the one impossible thing that you're working on at the moment? Okay, so... Uh, one of my big goals is obviously we've got a clothing brand called Totem. My yeah. goal is to build that into a functional fitness global brand. But then also because I've been injured um, for a long time with my shoulder, the same as you, my, um, I want to build like a cover model physique through the functional style performance training that we've just been talking about. At the same time, and, and to promote that you can do you can do everything okay. at, yeah, yeah. at once that's, that's my that's impossible great. that's my goal 
I love that. If you need any help, hit us up. We can help. There's anything we can help you on. No, no. Yeah, send me a chest workout. <laughs> <laughs> nah, boys, that's brilliant. Thank you. I appreciate right, no, that. Thanks for getting us on. And there we have it. What an interview. These boys can literally do unbelievable things on a bar. If you follow them on Instagram, at School of Calisthenics, you'll see all the amazing things they do. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you subscribe, comment, share to a friend, share it on Instagram, and let's make this podcast grow so we can get some more unbelievable guests on. I've been Sam, your host of the Futures Functional Podcast. Now go out and smash your week. Have a good one. We hope you've enjoyed this week's uh, School of Car Science podcast playground session. If you have enjoyed it, and we would really appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes or whatever platform you're enjoying this on and give us a five-star review. We realise there is one to four, but really it's only about the five stars. Mm -hmm. And that helps people to find us and we get to share this information with others. We hopefully can help them to redefine their impossible. Yeah, it's totally not about just trying to help our build us some confidence. (laughs) No, we're not at all insecure. So until next week, class dismissed.